Welcome to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Truth Hurts program, 15th day of June 2022. As I said on an earlier edition of the Truth Hurts program, the honeymoon is over for President Biden, even though the media is still trying desperately, desperately to defend and protect his stupid actions. So before I get into Joe Biden, though, I want to tell you a little bit about COVID-19. Of course, I predicted and probably accurately so they are starting to talk about COVID again in an attempt to divert your attention away from the failings of the Biden administration, from the massive inflation, the empty shelves, the high interest rates, the supply chain shortages. And of course, Biden is trying to deflect blame for all of his wrongdoings, misdeeds, and poor handling of the American experience in his first year and a half in office. Severe COVID-19 is rare in unvaccinated people, according to a survey. Luigi Kaler wrote in Medical Daily that a survey has found people who did not get the vaccine have a lower rate of suffering severe COVID-19 issues throughout the pandemic, just as I predicted. The survey uploaded to the preprint server ResearchGate presented data for more than 18,500 respondents from a control group project that had 300,000 overall participants. An analysis revealed that compared to those who got the jab, unvaccinated people reported far, far fewer hospitalizations. This international survey also found that unvaccinated people from more than 175 countries were more likely to use self-care to prevent and manage COVID-19 infection using natural products like vitamin C, vitamin D, zinc, and ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine. And they found that those people who took care of themselves without the fufufufuchi needle fared far better if they caught COVID. Many participants experienced discrimination for refusing to take the jab. Some say they struggled with mental health burdens due to the stigma in a mostly vaccinated society. In other words, they got tired of being bullied by the left. Since the participants were self-selected and self-reported, the survey findings had to be interpreted with care compared to statistics or other studies based on randomly selected populations. The participants admitted to avoiding vaccines due to their preference for natural medicine interventions or their skepticism of pharmaceutical companies or their skepticism against governments forcing them to do something they didn't want to do. They voiced distrust of government information and the fear of possible adverse effects of the viruses in the long run. Sound familiar? The survey was conducted from September of 2021 through February of this year and during that period of time, participants experienced only mild to moderate COVID-19 infection and were infrequently hospitalized. Damn, you're right, you're right, and I am right. It is the truth. And for those pro-vaccine folks that went out of their way to vilify and demonize people who didn't take the jab, this is a worthy vindication. 
McClatchy, Washington Bureau, Julia Marnin, McClatchy, Washington Bureau, June 7th. It says here, why are boosted Americans testing positive for COVID-19 more often than those who did not get the booster? Well, it's because what Steve Z told you in the beginning. Do not trust Big Pharma and the Democrats who were in bed to make a profit. Since late February of this year, Americans who have gotten a booster shot of the COVID-19 vaccines have been testing positive for COVID-19 much, much more often than those without the extra jab, according to the CDC. This information is based on numbers up until April 23rd, which is the most recent released CDC data set comparing case rates for the boosted, the vaccinated, and the unvaccinated against the Wuhan China novel coronavirus. Ultimately, the numbers, which are updated monthly, showed that 119 out of 100,000 boosted individuals tested positive for COVID-19 during the week of April 23rd. And in comparison, only 56 out of 100,000 vaccinated with only the primary series tested positive. These numbers, according to Dr. Sheila Shinoy, an infectious disease doctor and a Yale assistant professor, said the numbers are not telling us the whole truth. No, you people have not told us the whole truth since day one. So, we have covid we have COVID being kept aside until the midterms so they can once again pull it out of the closet and use it as an excuse for early voting, mail-in voting, vote harvesting, and all of the other irregularities that come with Democrats being in charge. One more COVID piece for you. The Reuters news agency has published an article that says Moderna COVID vaccine may pose higher heart inflammation risk, according to the United States Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Reuters reports Moderna's COVID-19 vaccine may pose a higher risk of heart inflammation in some groups than the Pfizer BioNTech's shot, according to the CDC and recent data. The agency said the findings on myocarditis and pericarditis, the types of heart inflammation linked to both mRNA shots are not necessarily consistent of all of the U.S. safety monitoring systems in place for vaccines. Based on data from Vaccine Safety Data Link, the VSD system, the incidence of heart inflammation was 97.3 million cases per million doses for males age 18 to 39 after a second dose of Moderna shot versus 81.7 cases per million for Pfizer vaccine dosers. Hmm, I told you those things weren't necessarily that safe. Now we have heart inflammation issues? Oh well, the Democrats all who invested heavily in Pfizer, Moderna, and the other COVID-related industries made their money and then sold high, and now it doesn't matter anymore. The markets are crashing around us. CEOs are warning of a recession. According to Markets Insider, here's what the CEOs are saying and their advice on how to prepare. 
Some CEOs for top companies in the U.S. are predicting the economy is definitely headed towards a recession. Even Elon Musk advises businesses to make sure they have capital reserves so they can make it through these, quote, irrational times, unquote. Investor David Solomon says, start considering your risk appetite and prepare for a slowdown. Survey was gathering responses from 133 CEOs of public traded companies. Between the April 25th and May 9th time frame, they found that the majority of CEOs believe that the Federal Reserve's plan to curb inflation through interest rate rises will definitely spark a recession. A handful of CEOs have said in recent weeks that they might be optimistic that an economic downturn can be mild and could possibly be avoided altogether, but most are saying what I've been saying, be prepared be prepared for a recession. Thanks to Joe Biden and his economic policies. Media Feed's Aaron Duffin says, how many Americans view Biden very unfavorably? The latest data in a survey of US adults in June of 2022, just around half or more of the respondents of the United States of America, adults, hold an unfavorable opinion of Democratic President Joe Biden, 10% having a somewhat unfavorable 39% a very unfavorable. This is compared to 44% who had a favorable or somewhat favorable view of the president. They were all Democrats, blinded. And media feeds Caitlin Farley says, majority of Americans think Biden is a weak leader. 39% of American adults say that he is very weak and 17% say somewhat weak. Only 16% of Americans say that Biden's leadership is very strong. His approval rating is ridiculously low, 39% for Generation Z, a drop of 21 percentage points since the first half of last year, according to Statista, a polling organization. Even blue states think Joe Biden's electric vehicle charging plan needs a reality check. Tom Catanacci of the Daily Caller says several Western states, including Democrat-led New Mexico and Colorado, are pushing back against President Joe Biden's electric vehicle plans, saying they are, quote, unfeasible, unquote. The states, which include Utah, Wyoming, Montana, Colorado, and New Mexico, say that it would not be possible to construct the number of electric vehicle charging stations that the gropey Joe Biden administration has outlined in his necessary category of climate agenda. Well, I told you guys this days and days ago. It is not possible. Here's a question. The BBC, the British Broadcasting Corporation, wants to know why is inflation in the U.S. higher than everywhere else in the world? The answer is Joe Biden, BBC, in case you needed to know. I don't even need to go into that story. We all know the reason. We all know the answer to that question. Meanwhile, Kristen Altus of Fox Business says, Biden administration is touting supply chain improvements, ripped as wishful thinking, according to trade experts. After the Biden administration provided a non-answer to when consumers might feel relief from the supply chain shortages and pressures, Instead, they praised, quote, some improvements, unquote, during a White House press conference on this Monday. One international trade expert ripped the lie, the response, on Fox's Mornings with Maria. 
Salvatore Style, the international CEO of All Wheels Up, said, I think it's wishful and hopeful thinking. I don't see this alleviating until at least the first quarter of 2023. There are still fragile supply chain issues. But you know what? On Monday, Fox Business's Edward Lawrence asked White House Press Secretary Karine Jean-Pierre why the supply chains have yet to work themselves out following a bipartisan infrastructure bill that was passed way back in November of last year. Jean-Pierre, always looking to blame anyone but Joe Biden, said, We are funding major new initiatives on the docks and on dock rail systems and the port of Long Beach to move goods more quickly. So we have seen the investments are out there and we have seen some improvements. Yes, yes, they will lie to you. The trade expert said that has now shifted to New York, a 10-day lag time. So now you're seeing the lags shifting from one port to the other. Stiles said, I don't believe that 2022 will see a supply chain suppression. Not only is it affecting the airlines, vessels, and trucking carriers, but it also impacts the products themselves that require petroleum and other energy to make the products. So my take on it is that the consumer will ultimately have to pick up the cost increases and they cannot continue to do that. He also says many companies are close to their breaking point having to absorb the price hikes and companies can't continue to do that. So they're either gonna make their own companies more fragile financially or they're gonna have to pass on the costs to consumers it is a no-win situation. And that situation, of course, brought on by Joe Biden and his economic policies. City AM's Nicholas Earle reports gas prices soar as flows dip from key markets. Yep, you have forced the oil companies into being so worried that they're going to be shut down in the next one, two, five years that they're making the profits they can make right now at the cost of worrying about whether they'll be in business at this time in the next few years. And this has an effect, of course, on property values. U.S. is seeing property values drop as inflation, the cost of goods and services for just about everything else, continue to go up. Jack Sitters writes in Bloomberg, the U.S. real estate market is experiencing a downward shift in prices as buyers fall away from the market. Why? Inflation. Prices have dropped 5 to 10% compared to a year earlier in many areas of the country. And we think it could even drop farther because no one can afford right now the inflated costs of everything associated with buying a house. They can't afford the higher interest rates to finance the house. And it all falls on Joe Biden's shoulders. But of course, Joe Biden is not taking the blame for his own actions. And that's reality, my friends. It's dangerous democratic rhetoric. It is called Bidenflation. It is not just a Fox News issue. But Joe Biden will tell you that it's all Fox News's fault. It's all the Republicans' fault. He tried blaming Putin. We didn't buy that lie. He tried blaming COVID, but we're not buying that lie either. And so now President Joe Biden is calling on U.S. oil refining companies to produce more to help alleviate the burden of high gas prices, which have now edged over $5 per gallon on the nationwide average. 
Biden wrote, Since the beginning of the year, refiners' margin refining gasoline and diesel have tripled and are currently our highest levels ever recorded. At a time of war, historically high refinery profit margins being passed directly on to American families is not acceptable. Companies must take immediate action to increase supply of gasoline, diesel, and other refined products. Of course, this letter, feebly written by someone other than Biden, because I really don't think he is capable of writing anything that is understandable in English anymore. His call comes as sky-high energy costs have added to inflation across the nation. $5 plus per gallon over the weekend was the new mark, according to AAA. 54 cents higher than one month ago and almost $2 more than last year. And as I pointed out on yesterday's program, almost $3.50 higher than when Donald Trump was your president. Biden says his administration is prepared to use, quote, all reasonable and appropriate federal government tools and emergency authorities to increase refinery capability and output in the near term. In his letter, he says the refining shortage is a global challenge and a global concern. And he pointed to the unprecedented disconnect between the price of oil and the price of gasoline. He said, since the beginning of the year, refiners' margins for refined gasoline diesel tripled, currently at their highest levels ever recorded. He noted that the last time oil was trading at $120 per barrel, the average price of gas at the pump was around $4.25 a gallon. Now, oil prices were trading slightly lower right after that letter came out. West Texas Intermediate Crude, the U.S. benchmark, is sitting at $118.45 per gallon. Biden is trying to blame everyone but himself for this situation that he has brought upon the American people. Wednesday's letter is the latest attempt by the administration to claim they're trying to take tough action against the rampant inflation they have caused. Biden repeatedly calls higher prices at the pump Putin's tax, but then now he's trying to blame the oil companies and the Republicans and the coronavirus, but he just needs to look in the mirror and say, my God, who's this old man who's ruining the country? Oh, wait a minute. It is me, Joe Biden. Byron York in the Washington Examiner writes, Joe Biden and the powerless presidency. There's no doubt inflation is the nation's most pressing concern. The polls show it. The data shows it. Everyone personally knows this. But Biden will not admit that it is his policies, his party's policies, that have made inflation worse. And that, if Biden and congressional Democrats had their way, they would even make it worse still. He just can't say that. He can't admit that. Instead, his reaction has been a mixture of denial, finger-pointing, ineffective gestures, and perhaps most of all, the argument that he as president is virtually powerless to address the nation's most pressing concern, a concern that he created. Biden appeared recently on the Jimmy Kimmel show, if you might recall. Boy, was that a shit show. He said, look, inflation's a bane of our existence. Really? The bane of our existence? You, Mr. Biden, are the bane of our existence. As for all the other little stuff that Biden is doing in the name of fighting inflation, the reports that are out show that what he is saying and doing will do absolutely no good. Like that trip to the ethanol plant in Iowa on April 12th, claiming that alternative fuels will lower energy costs. Ethanol might be great, Biden said. It supports agriculture. It supposedly creates good-paying jobs. Supposedly, 
reduces the U.S. reliance on foreign oil and supposedly reduces the price of gasoline. However, the Washington Post recently published an article suggesting Biden knows that was all bullshit. Privately, Biden dismissed the ethanol policy as ineffective and questioned the value of the trip, according to Washington Post. And, after returning to the White House, he hauled his senior staff, including Ron Klain, into the Oval Office and badgered them with questions about the purpose of that event. He also tried to drain the Strategic Petroleum Reserve, weakening us on the military front. If there's a major shutdown of oil refineries due to a hurricane in the Gulf of Mexico this year, in Texas, Louisiana, or somewhere else along the Gulf Coast region, the United States will not have the strategically kept petroleum reserves available to stop a major increase in prices far, far higher than what we're seeing even right now. This is Biden's economy. This is Biden's inflation. It's soon to be Biden's recession. It certainly is called Bidenflation for a reason. These are Biden's high interest rates, Biden's empty shelves, Biden's baby food formula shortage. He just cannot admit it. Energy, astronomical increases, 48.7% increase in gasoline in just a few short months. Price of fuel oil up 106.7%. Four straight months of in excess of 8.5% inflation on average. The inflation report, he said, confirmed what Americans already know. But then he lied and said Putin's price hike is hitting America hard. He meant Biden's price hike because it is indeed Biden's price hike. And now that there are some disagreement amongst economists about when the recession will hit, we all agree that it is coming. A replay of the 1970s with Joe Biden playing the role of Jimmy Carter as the worst president in American history. For your information, more than half of the current U.S. population was born after 1980. The older half, including yours truly, remembers that terrible inflation, the successive recessions that occurred during what former Fed Chairman Ben Bernanke recently called America's Great Inflation. How great was it? According to Bernanke, from the beginning of 1966 through 1981, the Consumer Price Index rose on average by more than 7% a year, peaking at over 13% during Jimmy Carter's presidency. There were two major and two minor recessions, and approximately a two-thirds decline in the Dow Jones Industrial Average when adjusted for inflation. That was bad. It was really bad. I remember sitting in the car at four in the morning lined up for gas when they'd allow you a whopping five gallons. Only on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday if the license plate number on your car ended in an even number. And only on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday if the license plate number on your car ended in an odd number and gasoline stations were closed on Sundays. The federal highway speed limit was reduced by Jimmy Carter to a crawl of 55 miles per hour. Can you imagine 55 miles an hour on an interstate highway? And the cops were out there riding tickets left, right, and sideways, trying desperately to make ticket money so they could pay for the expensive fuel for the cruisers out giving you tickets. 
One thing about the 1970s to 2020s comparison rings true. Biden indeed is playing the role of Jimmy Carter. Although Carter was elected president at age 52, was supposedly sharp, intelligent, educated, and energetic, Biden will be 80 years old in November, and he is none of the above. He's neither sharp, energetic, or aware of what's going on around him. My friends, we are stuck in Biden's economy. Jimmy Carter 2.0. But Biden says he's running. The White House says he is running again, even though Democrat National Committee members told CNN that Biden should not run again in 2024, saying that voters are looking for a change candidate. The Democrat National Committee member Steve Simeonitis said on Monday night on CNN that Biden should not run for re-election because of his low approval rating and because people will be looking for a change candidate in 2024. Personally, I think he should run again, and whoever the Republican candidate is should simply run on the following facts. Biden's inflation. Biden's high interest rates. Biden's blatant failure at the southern border with immigration. Biden's empty shelves. Biden's baby formula shortage. Biden's rising and continuously increasing crime wave. Biden's disastrous foreign policy, including that horrific, deadly withdrawal from Afghanistan that he botched, turning over Afghanistan to the Taliban and ISIS of all people. Biden's racism. Biden's destruction of America from within. Kamala Harris is waiting in the wings, and that's cause for Democrats to worry. This according to Rich Lowry of Boston Herald newspaper. The media taboo against talking about Joe Biden's age and the obstacle it presents to his running in 2024 is finally off. This should put a lantern on the other looming problem for the Democrats, because waiting in the wings is a deeply unpopular office holder who actually makes Biden look like a prospective electoral juggernaut by comparison. Democrats can be forgiven for considering the possibility of only Kamala Harris standing between them and a return of Donald Trump and telling themselves, well, maybe 80 is the new 75, or Biden's always been gaff prone and he got elected, so what's a few more gaffes between friends? Or Biden campaigned from a basement in 2020 and he won, surely he can campaign from some similarly secluded space in 2024. Unfortunately for the Democrats, Camel Toe Harris is the best single argument for Democrats who are trying to prop up Joe Biden no matter what. She's been a disaster as vice president. She's done nothing noteworthy, good or bad. And her abysmal ratings reflect not just Biden's troubles, for, but for her own profound inherent flaws as a political figure. She has the authenticity of Hillary Clinton, the charm of Al Gore, and the common touch of Adelaide Stevenson. She could have been engineered in a lab as a convictionless opportunist lacking basic political horse sense or a personality. And more or less, that's what she is. She came up in a California where the dominance of television ads makes retail politicking all but unnecessary. And internal democratic politics is largely based on identity politics. Compared to Camel Toe Harris, Biden really is middle class Joe. The contrast with Chuck Schumer, another Democratic leader from a deep blue state, is instructive. You might recall that Chuckles the Clown Schumer had a very tough statewide race against the Republican in recent memory, 
and is aware that not all voters are extremely online woke progressives. Camel Toe Harris could have run as an ideologically interesting, tough-minded former prosecutor in the 2020 Democrat nomination fight, sort of like an Eric Adams in New York City, but instead she got sucked into the idea that winning would be a couple of ticks to the right of Bernie Sanders. She co-sponsored his Medicare for All proposal before making a confusing hash of her position when she realized the political implausibility of that plan of Bernie Sanders. She seemed defensive about her record as a prosecutor, which came from the far left wing of the party of Tulsi Gabbard. That was an assault she barely overcame. She finished dead last in the Democratic primaries, and her signature moment was attacking Joe Biden for his opposition to busing, based on her own experience being a dark-skinned woman but beat on got busted herself. It didn't pay the expected dividends because of its self-evident calculation. Harris is an ass-kisser, and she does not belong in the vice president's chair, certainly not the White House president's chair. But if that's where they want to put their money, bring it on. I'd put Harris up against Donald Trump, Ron DeSantis, even Ben Sass, and watch her wither, because she is as useless as the proverbial tits on the boar hog. And the boar hog is more attractive. That is all the time I have for this edition of the Truth Hurts program. Folks, go out there and make it a great day. We'll see you next time. Copyright 2022, the Truth Hurts program network, all rights reserved. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Thank you for listening. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Mm-hmm.